As you get older, there are various signs, I think. We won't list them all. Some of them are a little bit, you know, things sag and things... Anyway. But there is a, a phrase that you say. You say, I've known this person for about 40 years. And that, you know, don't you? You know that you're getting old. If you can even say that. So I can't believe that I'm saying that I've known Mal for about 40 years. It does make me feel old. And you're looking at me like, yeah. <laughs> That right? Thank you. We went to uh, a secondary school together. It was uh, an all-boys grammar school. It, it was Hogwarts, basically. They, uh, the teachers were called masters, even the women. And um, they wore sort of capes and things. And we had prefects. We had a, a school song that was in Latin. So get the picture of the, of the sort of thing. And Anyway, that's where uh, Mel and I uh, met. Um, Mal is a church pastor, he's a, a leadership consultant, he works with many different uh, church leadership teams and he mentors uh, individual leaders um, in the UK but also in many different countries around the world. And uh, one of the things I've, I've seen Mal do in all sorts of different contexts over the years is, is facilitating uh, groups of people, groups of leaders to have some really good discussions. So uh, as many of you know, we went away as a full leadership team uh, on Friday and we came back uh, yesterday evening uh, just to take some time out to hear from God, uh, to hear from each other and just to try and seek God's will for this wonderful church, Waypoint Church, as we go forward into the next chapter. And it was really great to have somebody like Mal, somebody who's from outside who can come in and just facilitate those discussions, um, some encouragement, perhaps to challenge us gently when appropriate, uh, to hear from God from us, and just to help to sort of suggest different paths and different ways forward. So uh, we've been really grateful for that. Do you want to come up, Mal, and I'll just um, uh, pray for you before you speak to us. And let's be uh, excited, let's be expectant about what uh, God is going to say through Mal this morning. So will you join me as I pray for him? Father God, I want to thank you that Mal is here this morning. I want to thank you, Lord, for these many years of faithful service for you, to you. And I want to thank you, Lord, for uh, his work with us as a leadership team for the last uh, six months or so. Lord, I thank you for what you have prepared in him to share with us this morning. I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would come now, you would anoint him, and you would anoint us, Lord, to hear from you this morning. So bless him now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And we really were, it wasn't Hogwarts, but they thought they were Hogwarts. (laughs) Um, We were both in, I always wanted to be in Gryffindor, but I think we were in Hufflepuff. (laughs) <laughs> we were the ones with the yellow lining. Um, I've re- just realised I didn't do the reading. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Does it'll, it not matter? No. I'm so uh, sorry. Not that the word of God doesn't matter. No. But it'll come up in the talk. Well, if you need me to do, do that, it. you just let me know. Yeah, thank you very much. Am I going to get interruptions throughout like this? I no. can feel it. <laughs> Who gave him a mic? <laughs> um... It, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, 
expected to see some guys this morning. And they said, so you've been on a sleepover uh, with, uh, with everybody. Uh, and it was like, yeah, I guess we have. And it actually was. I don't like the word sleepover because I think under the Trades Descriptions Act, um, what my children have had over the last number of years was never a sleepover. It should be called a wakeover as far as I'm concerned. But this really was a sleepover. And we had a brilliant uh, 20, I thought it really was a brilliant 24 hours. Um, and the reason it was brilliant, it, it, I wouldn't say it was the easiest time. It was pressing in. It was struggling. It was going after something important um, as uh, with your leaders. And I guess I just want to commend um, that, those leaders to you. Uh, I'd want to commend to you their commitment and their passion um, and their love for each other and their sense of fun, but also being really serious in going after things that matter. And we had a number of, it, it got real. There were lots of real conversations and it wasn't always easy, but they're struggling after something that's right. And it was a real privilege to be with them. It's been a privilege. Um, I got to meet Jim in the summer in August and hear uh, some of the stories of, of, of the struggle that, that there's been. of have struggling with what Lord are you, are you doing with us? It's been such a privilege for me over this six months to see some of that struggling and wrestling with what God's doing. But also hearing where all the life is. Um, I loved, uh, I got to see your service on the motto text a couple of weeks ago and Jim preaching on Ezekiel 47 and just those words um, of the, the river flowing out from the temple and everywhere it goes there's going to be life and uh, just for me I've loved hearing stories about you uh, of what God is doing about where there's life about where there's good things going on. You know, there's a proverb, I think it's Proverbs 25, 25, that says, uh, news from a distant land refreshes the soul. And you're not that distant to us. We're in Bristol Bath, is where we live. Uh, but you've refreshed my soul with the stories of what God is doing with you. Uh, the stories of the hub, the stories of the young and the old, the stories of where there's energy and momentum flowing out in what you're doing. So it's been a privilege. And could we start, would you, I'd love to just pray for the people I had a sleepover with. Because uh, we never got to <laughs> uh, in, in, in that way. And I think I was to invite, include you to just to bless, to be thankful and to bless. So if you are, if you came on a sleepover with me this weekend, would you stand uh, in, wait, where you are in the auditorium? Oh, brilliant. Look, there they are. There's Graham and Chris and Kev. And, and obviously there's a number online, so uh, if you're, and can you just extend, oh Rachel, great, can you, Claire, can you extend your hands just to them? And let's just pray for them. And for those who aren't here uh, today, especially for Jim. Lord God, we thank you for our leaders and you know your word says to pray for our leaders. And we do that right now. 
And Lord, I'm so thankful for their commitment to you and all the ways that they've served and all the ways that I see they've journeyed with you for such a long time and their heart after doing what is right before you and coming out still desperately wanting to love and commit to one another. So we pray your blessing on them. We pray your refreshing on them. We pray that you would hear, they would hear your word afresh for this season. They would know the river flowing from the temple to them every day. Refreshing their soul and giving them insight and encouragement in the places they see your life. And they see your momentum. We pray your wisdom for them as they go on over the coming days. Lord, you say, anybody, we, we need to ask for it. Anybody who lacks wisdom, ask for it. And we pray for wisdom for them. But I know those verses in James are contextualized actually by hardship and suffering. And I want to acknowledge where it's not been easy to be a leader. In this season for these guys. That anybody who lacks wisdom asks for it in a context of where it's hard and a struggle. So we pray your strengthening of their backbone. You're comforting them where they need it. And you're emboldening them where you're calling them out into a new season of life in you. We bless them. Amen. Thank you for praying for my sleepover buddies. (laughs) Um, Today, uh, I wanted to just give you a little uh, checklist. uh, uh, A little, um, how how are you doing at the moment? Um, Because uh, I was talking with Fiona last night over the supper table and she said yeah it's been unsettling times and I I really liked the phrase unsettling times yeah it's felt unsettling times Um, obviously the last two years have been um, extremely unusual and in many ways unsettling and I know for you as a church there's been a lot that's been unsettling and not always uh, easy and now, uh, and uh, to tell you a little about us, um, I'm, uh, we've been in a season where I can empathise. We've had our own experience of what it's been to unsettle, uh, be unsettling. Can I, can I show you my uh, family? Oh. So that's, that's who I've got to be unsettled with. Um, that's my household. I've got one amazing wife and... Uh, we have three birth children, and then Jake came to join us uh, five years ago. And uh, when we became foster parents, um, we've had a number of other short-term uh, foster children join us. Um, but he joined our forever family uh, five years ago. Um, do you want to go to the next slide? We, uh, that's just us practicing for an album cover. Uh, <laughs> Go for the uh, go for the look. Um, my wife uh, is an OT. She used uh, trained as an OT. She was the head of um, 
uh, in the children's hospital uh, for therapy for children with burns. So she's one of the people I most respect in the world. Uh, she's amazing. Um, but she stopped doing that a couple of years ago um, and became a silversmith. Uh, and so if you get bored during the service, just go to Etsy and you can see the, uh, you can see the jewellery uh, that she, she makes now as what she does as her uh, space. Um, yes. And you keep going. Brilliant. Um, what I'm wanting to do is just give you a short checklist of um, what is a checklist for living in these unsettling times. For us, it's been unsettling because um, uh, during COVID, I felt like the Lord saying to us, I, I want you to leave the church that we worked for or just feel like there was a new season coming. And it was, well, um, great, so will you show us what's next? And, uh, and I, Lord, I don't want to leave from, I want to leave to somewhere. You know, almost for your own sense of worth and ego, it's I want to leave to somewhere. And uh, I just felt like the Lord say, uh, um, actually, it was a hero of mine uh, who um, I found out that uh, the, I think one of the best churches in the UK over the last few years has been Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland. They've had 50 people a week coming uh, coming to know the Lord on the streets every week. Every week. For like, and, and about 10% of those have joined the church and the rest, they've been blessing their region. Just amazing. And then their leader said, I think I'm called to, uh, to step down and, and leave. Um, but I don't know what to. And I thought, that's brave and scary. Lord, may I never do that. And then as I prayed it, I thought, oh, I think that's what you may be asking me to do <laughs> one, uh, one day. And then my wife and I went for a walk uh, when, uh, when we still could only walk just the two of us. And we came down this hill and went, we think it's time to say to our church, it's time to, to leave. And it was really hard saying, we don't know what to. It was hard saying, all we know is our hands are full and we think he's opening them up. And we need to get, to get what's out of our hands to be able to hear what he's saying. Does that make sense? So that's what happened to us in, in the summer. And since then, we've been on this mad journey. Uh, I, I used to be a half-time pastor and a half-time leadership coach. Um, now I'm a, a, full, a nearly full-time leadership coach. Uh, a foster parent, and uh, and uh, my area of unexpected grace was uh, 30 years ago. I was a tennis coach, and I went to our gym and said, "Can I get free membership if I if I do a bit of tennis coaching?" And they said, "No, but come and do it anyway." And, uh, and it's been, and so I've been doing that as well, and it's just been an amazing and unsettling ride, a roller coaster ride. And the verse that's kept coming to mind is one from Psalms, Psalms 27, 14, which says, wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. <laughs> you don't get anywhere. It's wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. I can't tell you that I've seen God's hand move in the ways that I'm necessarily expecting 
But I know that I'm more flexible and more open to what he's doing. And I guess my question has been, Lord, how do I still be strong and take heart whilst I'm waiting? Whilst I don't know what's going on, how do I strengthen myself in you? How do I take heart and not get discouraged when I can't see what the future is? Does that make sense? So that's why I'm wanting to say, I see where you're unsettled, but we are too. And I believe that God can still be with us in it. And you know what? I'm really enjoying the ride. (laughs) I don't know what tomorrow brings, uh, but I know who's got the present. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying what God is doing. And I thought I could share with you uh, our checklist to be strong and take heart as you wait for the Lord. Do you want to hear them? So there's four things. These four. It's relationships. As you, as you look to where are you making a way, God's promise is, isn't it, that he will make a way in the wilderness. But where he makes that way, I believe there are four things. Relationships, responses, routines, and rhythms. That's how I believe we be strong and take heart. Let's look at the first one. The first is, is that uh, real relationships. Real relationships. In, uh, in Mark 3, this is what uh, uh, Jesus was doing, all kinds of busyness, and his... Uh, his disciples came to him and said, your mothers and brothers are, 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 are look, looking for you. Your mother and brothers are looking for you. And he turned to them and asked a question. You know, Jesus asked a lot of questions. As a, as a leadership coach, I love asking questions because I don't believe in, in tell, not ask. I believe in ask, not tell. I'm bored with having tried to tell people what they should do and them not doing it. But actually, when you ask somebody something and get them to own it for themselves, then they do it. I can't tell you how many discipleship meetings I had that were a waste of time, where I knew what was good for somebody, and I could tell them, but I went away confident of what they needed, but they didn't, (laughs) because they didn't own it. And I think I've had to learn to ask questions much, much better. Jesus asked 254 questions. In the Gospels. He knew how to get people to think about what they were actually saying. Um, should we give, who should we give money to? Do we really have to give it to the government? Well, whose face is on this coin? Yeah? Jesus would ask questions to get people thinking. And the question is, he said, uh, and he didn't often answer them. And in Mark 3, he actually answers his own question, which I think is really helpful because it's Jesus helping me. But the question is, they said, your mothers and brothers are here. And he said, who are my mothers and brothers? And then he says in verse 35, he unpacks it and says, those who hear the word of the Lord and put it into practice. Here are my mothers and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my mother brother and sister and mother. Who do you hear God? um, In some translations, this verse is, who do you hear God's will with 
and put it into practice. My mother's and my mother and brothers and sisters are those who hear God's will and put it into practice. So who do you hear God's will and put it into practice with? That's your family. God actually, Jesus redefines family, I think, in this moment. He redefines family. And I know we've talked about bubbles and all kinds of things in COVID times. But it's who do you hear God's word with and put it into practice with? Actually, that's your family. Those are the people that you're supposed to be real with. I love, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity of some of the things of this COVID season because I think we understood church ecclesiologically with, with one eye. We understood it as the big gathering of wider family. But in the Old Testament, they only gathered as big wider family six times a year. We gather about that as our bigger wider family. But the the, the New Testament is full of Jesus talking about what it looked like to be um, in intimate relationship with family and synagogue, the smaller size, family, uh, immediate family, then wider household. And we've looked at church as event and what we gather to. But church, you're really church when you're back home. When you hear God's word and put it into practice with the people you're saying, what's he saying to me and what am I supposed to do about it? The people you agree with one another. One of the things I've most enjoyed of this uh, of this lockdown season, when we were locked down, I got to speak from home every week, and um, I did a I did a tour through our house uh, as over five weeks of talks, and people loved it. So we're getting to see everywhere in your house. But the reason was this verse. It was about the uh, one anothering verses, because we don't do one another. We worship the Lord here. The 20, the 20 times in the New Testament we're encouraged to one another one another is what we do in household. When we greet one another, when we serve one another, when we love one another, when we confess our sins one another, when we encourage one another, when we rebuke one another, when we spur one another on to greater deeds, when we encourage one another daily. You can go and have a look on our old church if you want to see the set and see our, uh, we start with the more, they're not equal those relationships because some of them are the people you just meet at the front door, but there's the people you really do life with. The ones, uh, you know, the James verses around confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. I did from the toilet. Because it was, I want to be healed, but actually confessing your sins with each other is a more intimate relationship. It's who are you willing to really see you be real with? Who are you willing to see, see you really open and bring things into the light? But why do you want to do that? It's so that we get healed. Oh, that sounds a bit scary and offensive and challenging, but yeah. The Lord wants us to be healed. And 1 John 1 is as we bring things into the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus brings us purity and forgiveness from all the sin that entangles us. So that's the first one. 
Who, are you, who do you really do life with? Secondly, that's the vehicle, I guess. The vehicle of who, who do you actually, who's in your car? Who do you, uh, organic church people talk about the idea of who do you meet with at least three times a week? Who do you connect with or touch in with three times a week? That's probably your household. That's the people you do life with. That's the people you one another with. They're the ones who let you be strong and take heart. Who are your people who do that? Secondly, that's your vehicle. Then I just want to quickly suggest to you, what is the, what, what, where does your vehicle go? What does the way look like? What does the way look like going forwards? Well, to be strong and take heart, I think it's three things. One is being able to respond every day to the places where God is getting your attention. Mark 1.15, when Jesus announces his ministry, he says, um, the kingdom of God is near. The time has come. And he doesn't use the word chronos, he uses the word kairos, which is defining event. The defining event, not just of this day, we all have a defining event of our day, don't we? we have a, but this is a defining event of history. The kairos of all time, the defining moment has come. The kingdom is at hand. God's rule and reign is close to us. The kingdom is near. The defining moment has come. Now, where are you going to change your mind and put your faith into practice? That's what repent means, metanoia, change of mind. The word for believe, pistis, is an active word, putting your faith into practice. Where are you daily going, Lord, where are you getting my attention today and what are you calling me to do about it? Where are you getting my attention in nature? Where are you getting my attention in that conversation? Where are you getting my... Where This may not be the kairos, the defining event of history, but it's the defining event of my day. So I do believe the kingdom of God can come through it. So where are you getting my attention? As a family, for 25 years, we've done best bit, worst bit over the supper table. Now our kids are bigger... We do best bit, worst bit, what have you learned and who's been kind to you? As the four questions, we do it just about every day. It's the gift that keeps on giving. But theologically, it's doing this. It's teaching my children to identify where there's kairos, where there's defining event, either best or worst. And in response to that, what is Jesus saying for me to, to, to where am I supposed to respond where am I supposed to change my mind and put it in my practice? Where am I open to God for this day? In the mundane, making the mundane magnificent. Because the kingdom is near. I was telling Fee I had more fun in a coffee shop last Wednesday because I felt like I had seven interactions in this coffee shop that was my kairos of the day. And there was something about God just affirming every one of these, of these relationships and opportunities as I connected with different people in that space. None of whom I'd planned to, oh, one of whom I'd planned to see. The other six I hadn't. Where's God getting your attention in the mundane and where's he making it magnificent?
Where are you responding to him in the day? Just to what he's doing. Thirdly, or the second rail, the other rail, responses is being reactive to what God is doing. Um, Regimes or routines is being proactive to what he's doing. In Luke 17, verses 1 to 10, Jesus uh, is talking to his disciples about something that is so challenging. Their response in verse 6 is, Lord, increase our faith. We want our faith increased. And his response to them was telling them a story. And telling them a story about a farmer, and sorry, a, a master and who had a servant. And he says, when, when the master comes in, um, does he expect the servant just to sit down with him? He says, no, the servant says, I'm an unworthy servant who's only done my duty. If you, in the areas that I think we're called to be proactive, is the areas where we know what the master's already told us to do. We don't need to be told again to pray. It's in the book. It's the places we're supposed to be intentional. We don't need to be told, uh, get, you know, be, be told for a first time. It's what are the things you know the Lord has already told you to do. And you're only doing your duty following him in those things. What are your proactive routines, regimes, spiritual exercises that you need to do to help you in your walk with the Lord? And what are the places and the the patterns that help you do that? My place of prayer is the spoily bit in the gym. The spoily bit being the sauna and steam room. And that is where I go to pray. In our household, we now call it the temple. Um, I'm going to the temple to pray um, because I've needed a pattern and a place where I could regularly pray. I see others, it's going on a walk, maybe a walk with a friend, a dog walk or whatever, but it's their pattern and their place just to re-engage with the world. Some people call it being mindful, but it's their proactive way of increasing their faith, of doing their reconnecting with the Lord. What are the patterns and regimes you're supposed to do? And finally, what are the rhythms to get you there? It's great to be proactive. It's great to be reactive. But what are the rhythms of your day and your week that let you live into this? My my day and my week is full of rhythms. Uh, tonight's rhythm is uh, uh, we don't have leftovers night, we have even mores. Uh, because the food is so good, it's even more. <laughs> and uh, we, um, it's just, oh. And uh, Sunday night is even mores and murder mystery. Death in paradise on a Sunday night. is uh, uh, We were only murders in the building, um, but now it's death in paradise. Uh, we know uh, different people, we have different things at different, fa- Friday night is family night. 
I know there's no phones for me on a Friday and we only connect with each other. And it doesn't matter if we miss a week like I did this week because I was on my sleepover um, because I know that next week that rhythm is going to be there again. Do you see what I mean? If you have a default rhythm, it doesn't matter if you miss one because it's going to be there again. And the verse for this would be Jesus in Matthew 11. Um, I love the version. He, he says, uh, let my yoke be easy and my burden light. But in the message version, he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Come on. I won't lay anything heavy on ill-fitting with you. It's got to work for you. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. Where is the Lord calling you to particular rhythms? A rhythm of your day. For us, it's, it's that eating together in the evening. For me, it's getting time in prayer every day. Otherwise, I know I lose my, I get to stop being centered. Where are the rhythms that, that God's calling you to, either with others or on your own? So, that's my checklist. Let me just give you them as four questions. Who are you really journeying with? Who are your people of peace? Secondly, where are you open to God getting your attention in the daily grind, in what you thought was the mundane, actually the kingdom might be near? And that there's a Kairos moment just waiting to get your attention. Where are you being proactive? The places and patterns that stimulate your spiritual exercises in what you know you've already been called to do. Church maturity, you know the verses in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child I thought like a child, now, I, now I'm an adult I think slightly differently. Being an adult, maturity, I think the number one thing is the ability to self-feed. It's the ability to be intentional. The ability to do the Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you intentionally. I am being intentional. Maturity, I think, is intentionality. Because I know I've already been told to do it. What have you already been told to do? And finally, what are your daily and weekly rhythms to learn the unforced rhythms of grace? How's that sound as a checklist? As you wait for the Lord, as you wait for the Lord to be strong, take heart and wait for the Lord.